0: When we're talking about leadership, it's about relationship and it's about all of the different pieces that are needed. And so when you're trying to grow leadership, you can't just be looking for presidents, whatever president means in that situation. Instead, of being like, <laughs> I found someone who's connected and can be a voice. And sometimes that's the person who hasn't spoken up at all mm. and approaching, nominating as, how do we find? all of the corners and the pieces and make sure we're holding everyone so that leadership is actually a fully capable, connected
1: network. Hi, this is Aisha Hauser. I'm a minister at the Church of the Larger Fellowship and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, hope it builds your faith, hope it gives you perspective to experience the power of Unitarian Universalism at work in your life. Enjoy the message.
2: Greetings, beloved out there in Viewland. It is really good to be with you today. I'm the Reverend Dr. Michael Tino. I serve as one third of the lead ministry team of the Church of the Larger Fellowship. And I'm here in Peekskill, New York, on the land of the Kichewan and Wappinger Nations. BC Fortune, how are you? I am well. I am here in central Pennsylvania.
3: coming to you from my office at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of the Susquehanna Valley in Northumberland, Pennsylvania. We are on the ancestral lands of the Susquehannock people and I'm doing well. And so how are
0: things out there in the zona? Hi. I'm in Phoenix and I'm here at lovely UC Phoenix, in my <sighs> office.
1: also have uh, Deborah Gray Boyd joining us. I am in Columbus, Ohio, which is the ancestral lands of the Scioto and the Wyandotte and other traditions and tribes. And this is my very first time on The View, which I'm kind of excited about. Like I got to do 10 <laughs> years on the General Assembly Planning Committee and missed you all. And this is my third year on the nominating committee for CLF and I have to put in a plug for the UUA nominating committee where I am also serving currently. So I am excited to talk all things leadership with the view. Great.
2: So in case you haven't noticed, Ty and Deborah are joining us as members of the Church of the Larger Fellowships nominating committee. And we will get into that in just a moment. But we like to uh we like to start the view with what we call the UU Roundup. Uh like. Thinking about what's going on in the larger Unitarian Universalist world. Um, and I have I'm no, not so eager to mention go that, that again. Ugh. I know that Blue, Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism, just had an in-person worship Saw for, that. for the first time in several years, and all of my friends from Blue have posted just how much that filled their souls. And so I just want to celebrate. Things that fill the souls of Black Unitarian Universalists are all good. Anything else we know of going on? Your congregation has a super guest this weekend, DC. Yes,
3: yes. We have to be wary of protocols and, and security and things like that. But let's just say that we have a guest minister coming to speak to my adorable, wonderful, amazing little congregation out here in Amish country. And I have never seen this place so scrubbed and shiny in my life. (laughs) We videotape all sermons at my congregation. And there's a link to our Facebook page from our website, which is uucsv.org. And this person is coming for a particular reason. And part of that is it's really wonderful. Well, it's wonderful and not wonderful. A number of years ago, somebody who was back when we had districts and stuff like that. There was somebody who was a UUA staff person, was out here in the Willy Wax to do some sort of workshop for the members of the congregation. They were in some sort of process of doing something. And somebody asked this person, very point blank, are small rural congregations, any sort of a priority for the UUA? And the person was painfully blunt and said, no. And so I've got this congregation that now has this story that they tell about themselves that we're not important to anybody. And so I shared that conversation with a number of people in leadership at the UUA and then poked a few people gently and said, I think we need some recognition out here. Because frankly, in horse and buggy country, we are one of the few institutions that is doing really visible supportive work for lgbtq folks for abortion choice options for banned books for all of that stuff we are one of the very few voices out here doing that work there's a part of me that says it's easy to be a uu church in boston right try doing that shit out here (laughs) where on sunday when you drive home from church you have to ride for many many minutes behind horses and buggies on their way home from church. We've got a really significant role to play in our world. And so I said, we need somebody important to come out here. And I kept poking the important people. And eventually there, we're going to have somebody come who's going to hopefully do some healing work with my people and let them know that they do matter and um, that this congregation does good work in a place where it is desperately needed.
2: Well, and you know, that business of, I'm going to like, use this as a segue that business of changing the stories that congregations tell about themselves yep is, is really important ministry yes really important work It was one of the things that i had to do when i first started serving the last congregation i served their <laughs> the story that they told about themselves was that we were the little congregation that couldn't <laughs> like they couldn't quite we, right. We almost get there. That was their story. We almost get there. Oh, God bless them. And by the time I left 15 years later, they could. <laughs> they knew they could. And yes. it, it took telling a different story. So let's talk about the Church of the Larger Fellowship. We don't usually spend a lot of time talking about the, our congregation's You. Mm-hmm. We tend to take this big view of Unitarian Universalism, and we talk about all sorts of things happening for liberation in our world and in in our larger movement. And every now and then we get to talk about what's happening in the church of the larger fellowship and the church of the larger fellowship has also been changing and is telling Mm -hmm. a story about ourselves too. For many years, we were the church that was a couple of people in an office under the Pickett and Elliott house in Boston who who sent things by mail all over the world
3: with an an overused photocopier.
2: Right. (laughs) And times have changed, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The ways in which we interact with each other from afar has changed. They say, hosting an online talk show that has been going on for 10 years. And the ways in which we understand our call to liberation in the world has changed. Yes. And so our nominating committee has had to change and the ways in which we think about leadership in our church has changed. And so I wanna toss it over to Ty and Deborah to talk about how those changes have happened, how you are involved in changing the story of the Church of the Larger Fellowship.
1: Thank you, it's been a huge privilege to do this work. And we've really done it collaboratively with the board and with the leadership team. And I think that's one of the differences is nominating isn't just pitching people over this fence onto the board but we've actually been having conversations with the board and with the leadership team about what do you need and who can serve and how can we expand that circle of leadership because the way clf historically got their leadership is an interesting story in and of itself and we've really been making a shift to leadership from the congregation. And we're trying to expand that from the congregation to include folks who are currently incarcerated. And we're not quite there yet, but the membership of CLF has done an amazing job of making the number of people on the board more flexible so that as we have opportunities, we can add those folks, pretty much no matter where we are in the election cycle. And that there can be more than just one. DC is saying the pounce and capture approach to leadership development. CLF nominating took it one step further, and we actually went out um, beyond CLF. It was often who do I know in the national UUA playground that might want to come play in the CLF sandbox? And so, this shift to we're a congregation. And we want to make sure that the leadership is representative of our congregation not just an extension of the national faith community has been central to some of what we've been up to
0: and i think that model of growing leadership is so important as we shift and think about liberation in general and in our structures across the faith but within congregations specifically i think a lot of us were raised with this idea that anyone who was a leader was like a junior president, and everyone was aiming to be the best, shiniest, top leadership position. Mm. And that's who we would recruit, is like, how close do you look to the top leadership position, and can we get you up there? When in reality, when we're talking about leadership, it's about relationship, and it's about all of the different pieces that are needed. And so when you're trying to grow leadership, you can't just be looking for presidents, whatever president means in that situation, right? Mm-hmm. And so I love the tossing people over the fence image, right? Of just like, <laughs> I found someone that kind of looks like what we need for the top thing and throwing them over. And instead being like, I found <laughs> I someone who's that. connected and can be a voice. And sometimes that's the person who hasn't spoken up at all mm. and approaching nominating as how do we find all of the corners and the pieces and make sure we're holding everyone so that leadership is actually a fully capable connected network is huge work. And it's really cool to be part of. It's really neat to get to know a community in this way.
2: Well, and I'm also thinking about what you all have been doing, because I, I know what you all have been doing in terms of like talking with people and figuring out what their pathways through leadership are, because it's not just like, I, I like the way you say, we're not just looking for presidents. Right. Right. Maybe we're looking for people who get really jazzed about personnel policy that treats the people who work for CLF like human beings, not like disposable cogs in a machine.
1: Absolutely. One of the really important things that we've been looking at is how the Commission on the Institutional Change, how that work called nominating committees to do their work differently. And so last year was the first year that we really publicly asked and created public venues of a town hall kind of format where folks could talk to each other and folks could talk to people currently in leadership and say, hey, I'm interested, talk to me. And so Julica was central in in having that happen. And we are really excited to have two opportunities just like that coming up yet this month. And that's uh,
2: Julica Herman de la Fuente, who is a CLF board member and our board liaison to the nominating committee, right? So,
3: Yeah, I I have a question, and that is, I'm just thinking about because I'm in a small congregation with like less than 150 members, and it's one of those things where like everybody takes a turn making coffee. It's a small family-sized congregation. And there is often a firewall between minister and nominating committee that I think does know in a variety of ways, because as ministers, we sometimes have to information would be important before you say, nominate somebody to treasurer, had pastoral conversations with people. We may know things that would be, I don't want to say disqualifying, but would really be worth considering in the process of how to develop leadership. It sounds like you're working with the board and the ministerial team to, to recruit and develop leadership. Can you tell me about that?
1: Well, and it's not just about who maybe shouldn't be in leadership yet, or who shouldn't be in leadership in this particular position, right? but about people who those folks know that we don't know yet. Because ministers so often know other people in the congregation and the board has more and more people that are engaged with CLF in a way that they know other CLF members. Right. And so that's really an important part of of what we're doing for, because it is collaborative and it is relational. And that's so central to what we're attempting to do. Absolutely. And we want people that are connected and in relationship and being supportive of the mission. You don't want to put somebody on the board who's like, what's clf <laughs> no 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 no, and if i might
2: let me say a few things about the firewall that you speak of not to pick on <laughs> any particular congregation but i don't think that serves us well right that's what i was well saying to say you don't get to know like that's the pitch them over the fence model right Right, you you take whoever flies over the fence, whoever flies over the fence, you have to deal with, and it doesn't allow us to chart a new course for how we want the congregation to be right. So if we want our congregation, for example, and Deborah, you brought this up to actually be accountable to the voices of incarcerated, (laughs) unitarian Universalists who are now almost 60% of the membership of CLF, almost 1,800 incarcerated Unitarian Universalists are part of our congregation. So we couldn't ignore their voices when it was 200, but at 1,800, it, it's not responsible. It's not responsible. It's malpractice. Right. So if we want our congregation to be accountable to their voices. Well, then we need to figure out how to get voices who who understand that accountability into our leadership. That's really hard when so many of those folks are incarcerated because our prison industrial complex throws up barriers to participation and things like that. Financial barriers, time barriers, access barriers, you name it. They invent new barriers when the old barriers aren't serving them. But if there were a firewall between the lead ministry team and the and the, the nominating committee, we couldn't say this is really important to us and like give the nominating committee the space and the support to figure out how we're going to do this. Now, you said, Deborah, we haven't figured it out, but we're we're working on it.
1: Well, and the board's had some really important conversations about that, right. and nominating was part of inviting those conversations and asking for that time to have those conversations and we've read some books and we've invited the board to do some work and i feel like we both have made progress and we needed to acknowledge the progress that was already in the room there are people who are serving and people in leadership who are in relationship close familial relationship with people who have been part of the industrial prison complex and so it was important to not have this story about we're not in the room when folks are in the room, because that is so often part of how the supremacy culture works and not acknowledging how we're already here. But the other piece is this discernment piece, like not every job is the right job for everybody. There are people who absolutely need to be in RE space with tiny humans with itty bitty toes and there are people who need to be the perennial treasurer for their congregation, and they aren't necessarily always the same person. Oh, thank you, God. <laughs> and sometimes they are, but it's important to be able to talk to people so they can be successful, so that they can right. figure out what's right for them. And so one of the big shifts on nominating has been trying to have these discernment conversations with people. What are your skills? What are your talents? What are your gifts? How do you want to contribute so that we can try to match people up in a really powerful way so that their contributions can be received full heartedly and taken advantage of in service to this larger faith that we all are so dedicated to.
0: And I think it's so important to know that those conversations that we have sort of their two-on-one conversations with people aren't interviews, aren't about discluding someone from leadership based on 10 questions that someone has to answer correctly. But it really is about building up that relationship and getting to know that person because when someone has a willingness and a heart to lead and step into helping shape the body, there is somewhere that they can shape it, right? There's somewhere, and we haven't perfected it. We haven't figured out how to plug in all of the people to all of the places, but being able to say, we don't need 22 presidents. You know, these are the pieces that we need and how can mm-hmm. we grow that relationship? Because not to say that this is the least of it, but if nothing else in us getting to know the person and nominating, getting to know someone who's coming forward in leadership, we now get to know all of the people that they're connected to as well. and We get to right. see that piece of that network. So it ties in another piece to the web in a new knot and then a new place. So we're closer linked together. And I think that's really important that it's not an audition. It's more about like, how can we get to know you? How can we figure out that as a community who are all so spread out, right? We don't all see each other in the same building on Sunday mornings. How do we make that closer knit and tight in a way that's very, very real? and where those connections are really true. Because when I'm talking to you two on one because you wanna be in a leadership position and my son comes running in, you know, to tell me about something the dog has done and your cat knocks over your coffee, our connection strengthens. And it's in those moments that our community reels itself in a deep way.
2: And you know those things are gonna happen too.
0: (laughs) All of you have seen my children run into the room with some sort of animal related emergency.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And they not only happened, but nominating was really intentional on having two people from nominating or, or our board liaison or whatever do those conversations with the one person who's interested in serving. Oh, good. Um, because we, we wanted to have multiple lenses and multiple perspectives. We never wanted one person from nominating to be in the position of reporting back to the body. This is where this person might or might not fit in with the things that we're trying to look for right now. Right, pounds and capture. We've we've tried to be intentional and build structure.
2: And this, we really want to get to know you philosophy is changing the story of CLF. I mean, it wasn't too long ago that it really wasn't possible to know people that well. Right. um, In a 3,000 member congregation scattered all over the world. And it's possible now. Right. So
3: yeah, the, the double-edged sword of technology and pandemic forced us to change in a bunch of different ways. Deborah writes, we've been blessed with more folks wanting to be in leadership than elected posts. So you, so you haven't had empty places on the
1: slate is what you're saying. What I'm really saying is often we have a story of scarcity. Like there are not enough people. Oh my God, who's going to serve on the board this year? Who can we talk into being treasurer? Again, whatever that story might be. You're not speaking
2: from experience though. No, (laughs) absolutely
1: not. And because we're working towards relationship, there has been this abundance, this generosity that has invited a new way of CLF understanding itself because CLF was two people in a basement. CLF was one of our most staff driven congregations that we had in the entire association. And it did not have this robust infrastructure of ways that people as laity contributed to the congregation. Hmm. And so there's really a shift within CLF of wanting to have this more engaged community relational piece and that's happening. And I know that's happening because people are saying, Hey, I wanna do more, I have some time, I wanna contribute. And so we're creating this abundance through the richness of these relationships, which is just lovely.
2: Yeah, I mean, even we look at something like Quest, which is the CLF's monthly publication. For years, Quest was the ministers of CLF asking their professional colleagues to submit things that then went out to the membership of CLF. Right. And um, um, it was never asking the members of CLF to reflect on questions and send in their reflections so that we mm. share them with other people. And that's, I, that's like the old school technology, right? Quest, right? the printed magazine. But we now include every issue, the, the opportunity to send in reflections. Now, the truth is that it's almost entirely our incarcerated members who actually send in those reflections. But those are the folks who are desperate for actual connection with people. And they're getting it.
0: How amazing is that? Well, and whether or not it's desperation, it's creating access and creating a pathway for the voice. And if that's where the pathway is for the voice, then the people who don't have any other pathways should be the ones using it. And I think that for me, that connects to the responsibility of aiming towards liberation in general, you know, is. When we create access paths, who needed that first and who needed it the most, and making sure that it's open to them, because everyone else is served by that as well. But also thinking about leadership and how people step into their pathway to leadership in an organization, In at least in the U.S., I think to some extent, we are taught that representational d- democracy is the gold standard for how we do leadership and how people can be represented. But we know that that system itself, it can be so oppressive, right? It, it can... Be horribly abusive in terrible ways. And so, how do we as an organization, really striving towards liberation, go beyond that step and say, what does that mean for leadership? It doesn't mean whoever has the most campaign dollars or whoever's the shiniest or looks closest to the potential president, you know, looks like the last guy becomes the leader, it's how do we do that based in relationship? Because we know so much of liberation comes out of relationship. And so if CLF at its core is finding our leaders out of this liberatory practice, then that's a huge step forward in everything else we do, including how we work with finances or how we work with personnel. It's because we're starting in a place of liberation. And it's so important. Those roots of action are so,
1: so important. Absolutely. And and that That leverage, because we don't have dollars for campaigns, but in my experience in Unitarian Universalism, that leadership currency is either through professional religious, religious professionals, because they have professional development budgets to go spend the time in the transportation to do the things or lay leaders who have the financial independence to have the time to make the investment. If you don't have time to volunteer a half time job, and there just aren't that many people out there who have time to volunteer a half time job. And the demographic that does have
3: that time is very limited. Yeah. And not yeah. representative. No, exactly. Oh. Exactly.
2: So, talk to me a little bit about the leadership opportunities that you're seeing right now from the elected things to the non elected appointed for yeah. committee things. What, what are the leadership opportunities you're seeing? That's with? a lovely
1: question. So we need three or four folks to be serving on the board of CLF. The CLF board is required by the bylaws to be between nine and 11 people. We also need somebody to take the seat that I'm currently in on the nominating committee, which is a three-year term. And we recently had Michelle need to step away for personal reasons nothing to do with the committee. And so there's a two-year term with nominating as well that's open. But there are also spots with the personnel committee and there are spots on the fundraising committee and there are some other places. I know you, Michael, have been working on how can we create a more robust pipeline of leadership coming up and out of the congregation where some places that people can contribute. So folks can help with worship and there's some opportunities with Covenant groups and those types of things. And so there are all sorts of ways to contribute, whether you have a little bit of time or a lot of time, but CLF's making this big transition.
2: And so, right. There are covenant groups that need leaders. There are, we have a fantastic group of people that facilitate our Sunday coffee hour, several of whom have actually taken on roles on the board because they're Involved leaders who we get to know really well because they do this every week. We have a fundraising committee, a finance committee, a personnel committee. So as I said, right now, our personnel committee is looking at aligning our fair compensation values. If like that lights a fire under you, say that <laughs> to someone on our dominating committee, please. The last thing that the personnel committee worked on was health care costs and the personnel committee. And I'll I'll also, this is one of my favorite CLF stories because I had nothing to do with it. I was purely a bystander to this. Our personnel committee decided that the ways in which healthcare is done in the United States is fundamentally unjust, or at least they didn't decide that. They came to that realization and presented to the board a six-year plan to phase in 100% one hundred percent healthcare coverage for CLF staff and their families, and the board said to them, "Well, if it's fundamentally unjust, maybe we should just do it now and not phase it in over so soon." And the personnel committee just sort of sat there, like, "Okay," <laughs> in the board meeting, because the board was like, "Well, you've made a really good case that it's fundamentally unjust, and so we need to do something about it." And so for the last two years, everyone who is eligible for health care on the CLF staff gets 100% coverage for for them and their family, not 80% for the person and 50% for families or whatever. And the recommendation is 100%. Does that cost us a whole lot of money? Yes, it does. And if you'd like to donate to CLF, we'll, we'll let you know how to do that out there. We would like your money to help pay for Healthcare coverage for our staff. But if, as I said, treating staff as human beings and confounding the ways in which our capitalist system employment caught, if that lights a fire under you, let someone on the nominating committee know.
1: Because <laughs> right. then you're on the personnel committee. Well, and, and that's the kind of change that's possible when you're around the table. It is such a privilege to be around the table. And that privilege comes with a responsibility, but that privilege comes with opportunity to make the world a better place, to make our faith a better faith, Mm -hmm. And which is just lovely. So D.C. said that you're on UUMA nominating. Yes, I am. I mentioned I'm on UUA nominating. Are there any other nominating tables currently represented on The View? I used to be on Loretta nominating committee, not anymore. But also,
0: the secret that we're not talking about so we have some nominating committee spots open, but like if you're on nominated committee, you get to control the world because you get to. It's talk true. To it's going to so be so weird. Well, ish. And we do yes. it towards liberation, right? It's that whole thing right. of like, if you have an idea about what
1: should be this right. amazing image, you get to work towards shaping that. Yeah. Well, We're- and it's so important that the whole reason we don't do the contested elections that so many folks talk about and are focused on is because we are able to shape a much more complete and robust and integrated leadership team by being intentional. Mm-hmm. I I will never forget, I think it was Susan Ritchie, but I could be wrong, was telling the story about the old UUA board, where we elected them out of the district, and how that knitted together the association through the bodies of the people that were sent to Boston, but that all the bodies of all the people that were sent to Boston were almost all the same folk. They held the same identity, they had the same worldview, they had the same set of experiences because each of those elections was happening in, in a district that all turned out the same kind of person. And so we're able to be much more intentional about making sure that those voices are representative and take that laboratory lens.
3: Yeah. We did the same sort of thing with the UUMA nominating committee. In fact, the UUMA rewrote the bylaws to expand and make the non a little bit more flexible so that it could be as diverse as possible. And one of the cool things, we do that when we meet, one of the first things we say is we've got these positions that need a voice in them, whose voice is currently not at the table, whose voice has been historically excluded, and how do we make sure we don't send a person into a situation where they are the only person holding their particular set of identities, right? Let's make sure that we're setting people up to succeed by making sure that they have the collegial support in whatever realm that is so that they're not the only person of color on this particular board or the only trans person on this particular committee or like that kind of stuff. My experience with the nominating committee on the UUMA NomCom has really deepened my appreciation for how vital an engaged nominating committee is to the health of an organization for that reason. If you can get beyond the pounce and capture model, we need somebody with a pulse, right? You don't have to do much. We'll just prop you in a corner, right? Remember Joan Rivers used to have a thing about trying to find a, a husband for her daughter. We need a last single man in New York. You got a pulse. He's dead. Now he's still breathing. We'll prop him up, you know, <laughs> right? So often our recruiting efforts look like that because they come from a model of scarcity and a model of desperation as opposed to a model of abundance and opportunity. How much richer can our conversation be if we have diverse voices at this table and how much more powerful and truth-telling capacity we can have if we have a diverse group informing our decisions and, and guiding our mission for the future, as opposed to sort of feeling like you weren't smart enough to get away. Like they used to say about jury pool, right? Jury duty, you got 12 people who weren't smart enough to get off the jury. We often used to look at nominating stuff as the same sort of way. Well, I was the one that was slower than the rest, right? They didn't catch the rest. They caught me. Like, that's not how we do leadership development. Or That's not a healthy way <laughs> or a particularly productive way to do leadership development.
2: <laughs> I want Ty and Deborah to tell us a little bit more about the forums that are coming up because uh, we, we have a couple minutes left. And there are two forums uh, that Lucretia has put information about in the chat. But can you tell us more
1: about what's going to happen at those? Sure. So one is January the 23rd and it's from eight to nine Eastern and the other ones on January 28th, right before worship service from six to 645 and we're just going to be in community together, having a conversation between the people who show up about what's leadership for you how do you like to show up, what are you interested in, as well as sharing a little bit more about the particular needs within CLF around the board table, especially around how we're shifting the financial structure of CLF. It's really important that the board be engaged in the conversation about how do we make CLF sustainable as such a large percentage of folks are currently incarcerated. Our brick and mortar model of Oh, everybody should contribute and make a pledge, and hopefully it's a X percent of their adjusted gross annual budget, and blah, 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 blah. That doesn't work. And so the board is really central in having those conversations with the staff and, and with the finance committee and those kinds of things about how that's going to go forward. And then we just get to say thank you because gratitude is always where I love to start and finish and being grateful for folks showing up and exploring. There is nothing, if you show up at the town hall, you will not be required to run for office. I'm saying that now.
2: You're not, oh my God,
1: there's someone at the town hall. You're going to be on the CLF board. No. (laughs) But you will be invited to have one of these two-on-one conversations if you're interested in learning more. If you're willing to, to talk to us about where you might be able to contribute, we would love to have those continuing conversations with you. And so after the town hall, people will be invited to sign up for one of these two-on-one conversations. And that'll be the next step.
2: And if you'd like to come to the town hall, clfuu.org slash leadership hyphen forum. And that should be in the in the chat.
1: Please come say hi to us. And I think
0: for folks who have lived or live in rural areas and you've been to those town hall meetings, you've been to town council meetings, this is that same thing. It's getting to look in on your neighbors, getting to see what your community's doing, figuring out who's doing what and how kids are doing at school and whose farm is doing what, you can tell where I grew whose plow broke down, those kind of things. But that's what this is. It's not about you, you have to lead. It's let's hear what's going on and let's hear what the structures are and get to know each other so that we can grow this bigger and better again and again
2: and it's an opportunity for you to say here's what really excites me about being part of clf and let us put that in our collective leadership brain and see where it goes the nominating committee is also a bunch of really super creative people who can say well that's what excites you about clf maybe these are the relationships we should encourage you to have because we want people doing the stuff that's exciting absolutely and It's important to
3: feel like a contributing member of a a group. Marge Percy talked about to be of use. And one of the things that we've been working on here is when we get a, a new family or a new person who shows up, let's find out why they came and what they're looking for, but also what they have to offer because people like to come someplace where they get stuff, but they also like to come someplace where they feel needed and appreciated and valued for what they can contribute. And for folks who can't contribute a bunch of money, sometimes these volunteer slots are exactly the way to connect in a really deep way and feel ownership of a non-monetary type of an organization. Long-time volunteers are longtime members. You know, well, you
1: often get out what you've also contributed. So I know that just to share as a gratitude, my time on the CLF nominating committee has been a huge gift to me. It is such a lovely group of folks where I show up and I am seen and my quirkiness is appreciated. And that's not always the case, but it is at the CLF nominating committee table. And so I just am so grateful to be able to be part of that and then to be able to invite other people to have that same experience.
2: Well, at CLF, we love your quirkiness. We love everybody's quirkiness. We understand that it takes all of our collective quirkinesses to make this, to make
0: this movement for liberation actually happen. Everyone deserves to have a full community experience and that includes volunteering and being present in all the ways. And so everyone, you, 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 you deserve it. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Gracias for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry, be it time, talent, or treasure. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit clfuu.org podcast for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review so that others can find us. Thanks again for listening.